Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the executive director of the Henry Nouwen Society, and I want to welcome you to a new episode of Henry Nouwen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Henry Nouwen Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry Nouwen to audiences right around the world. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to a man who was a student of Henry Nouwen's at Yale and who then went on to become a professor and who has over the years taught many students about the spirituality of Henry Nouwen. Dr. Michael Christensen is my guest today, and he's published 11 books, including The Heart of Henry Nouwen and the famous Nouwen trilogy, Spiritual Direction, Spiritual Formation, and Discernment by Henry J.M. Nouwen with Michael Christensen and Rebecca J. Laird. I might just add, for those of you who don't know, Michael and Rebecca are partners. They're married, and they have done many book projects together. Today, Michael and I are going to delve into this treasure called discernment. Phyllis Tickle writes in her endorsement of this book, Christensen and Laird have seamlessly woven a luminous tapestry of both Nowen's published and previously unpublished work on discernment. The result is an even richer and more accessible Nowen than most of us have ever seen before. And Richard Rohr says about this book, Henry Nowen, as always, makes seemingly complex things personal, practical, intelligent, and very readable, all at the same time. This book, Discernment, really is a rich and helpful book that addresses the most basic of questions. What should I do with my life? Michael, thank you so much for joining me today for this podcast. Let's dive in. The premise of the book is that God is always speaking to us at different times and in different ways. How is God speaking to us? Yes, the the premise of the book, as you say, is that God is always speaking to us, but we don't always hear what God is trying to say. And we know from the, you know we know from the scriptures that God speaks through prophets and sages and priests and people, uh, dreams and visions, scripture, tradition, reason, you know, all sorts of ways God tries to get through to us. And the task of the spiritual life is to tune in, right? To be quiet long enough, to pay attention. And then to uh, discern is the biblical word, not just guidance, but presence of God, and not just presence, but God's great love for us, the inner voice of love. So yeah, what God is what is God trying to say to us each and every day is first of all that God is here now, present, and how can we become present to the presence of God? And then also that we are loved. Great is my love for you this day, the psalmist declares. And when we can settle down long enough to hear that inner voice of love, then we can claim that for ourselves, says Henry. So discernment is not just decision-making, right? It's not just going to God to say, what should I do next? Who should I marry? Where should I move? What job should I take or leave? Uh, Discernment for Henry and for those of us who understand from the scriptures and his teaching, it's a lifestyle. It's a spiritual, it's a spirituality of listening. So what is God trying to say, Um, both personally and to the church and, you know, to the world? Do you find that there's special disciplines that you need to to practice in order to have discernment? Like, what what are the tools for discernment? How How do we discern what God wants to say? If God is speaking to us through the scriptures, then of course we read the scriptures, not just for knowledge, 
an academic, you know, reflection, but devotionally, you know, the Lectio Divina practice. We we listen with our heart what Scripture is trying to say. But God is not only speaking through Scripture. Other tools, other uh, media, if you will, would be what is the Church teaching us? Uh, it, it's epiphany in this season of the Church year. Christmas is over. The new season of epiphany has begun. And this is the season of of the uh, disclosures of the of the revelation of the making known manifestation of God in the world. So let's pay attention to what the church is teaching us about what is being revealed, what is being disclosed to us as individuals, as a church body, as a community of faith, but also as a world. As you know, Karen, there in Canada and here in America, in the United States. Uh, we're facing tremendous uh, assaults on our democracy, uh, insurrection. Uh, what is God trying to say to us? What is God calling us as a nation to in light of current events? So discernment tools are, are, are many. We, it's scripture, it's tradition, it's church year, but it's also um, reading the signs of daily life. What are... What are critical events teaching us about God's will for us? What are social events, current events teaching us, calling us to repentance and faith and prayer and change, turning points? Uh, I'm speaking generally here, but we could be very specific about, um, you know, January 7th, 2021 was a day in the United States that many of us who are trying to pay attention to what God is doing in the world— uh, regard as a turning point, an opportunity, let's say a kairos moment, where we have a new opportunity to humble ourselves, to pray, to seek God's face, to turn from wicked, uh, sinful ways, to repent, turn around, and to find um, a new way, a new way of being together, a new way of being unified or understanding the other. These, you know, Henry was great about trying to read the signs in AIDS, in in the civil rights, in other current events, nuclear freeze movement. Henry was trying to pay attention and helping his community of faith pay attention to current events, to signs of daily life, to repent and turn around and to discern what is God trying to say. What is God asking of us in this moment, in this season, in this time? Um, discernment is really broad. I love what you're sharing. It's really, it's really interesting. It's uh, how do you, in the midst of this, distinguish spirits, distinguish the voices you're hearing? I mean, you, you're talking about a very poignant moment right now in history. How do we, in that, discern uh, what voices to listen to? Discernment of spirits is a biblical um, term. Discernment of spirits is a gift, the Scripture says, where we as the body of Christ, not just individually but corporately, are given deep understanding. We have spiritual access uh, to the subtleties, to the signs of what's happening in the world. We can actually distinguish between truth and falsehood. We have the capacity through our prayer life and through our worship and community of faith 
together we have the capacity to discern evil spirits from Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. from truth, from falsehood, from what is a helpful, life-giving call to what is distractive and would lead us down a path of dark into darkness. So light and darkness, good and bad, truth and falsehood, this distinguishing of the spirits, discernment of spirits, is a gift given to the body of Christ to help us find our way. So applied to the current moment, we can, as the, as the people of God, um, can say, this is truth, this is falsehood, this is light, this is darkness, not in a way that is um, judgmental, because discernment is not for our judgment, it's for our protection, Henry would say. Mm-hmm. And if it's for our protection, then we need to listen to the inner voices, the inner voice that calls us into life and life-giving activities and love and affirmation, and not listen to the voices, inwardly and outwardly, outward voices and inward voices that call us to um, conflict and hatred and despair. So that gift is given to us, and we can act on that. And again, Karen and Henley would say, discernment is not an absolute science, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, you can never say definitively, uh, this is 100% truth and this is 100% falsehood. The signs are subtle. Discernment is a process, and you have to live into that distinguishing of truth and falsehood, test the spirits, as the scripture says, and then take it step by step as you lean into the light and as you walk in the light, then we are guided. Uh, We make a mistake. Christians make a mistake sometimes when they think they have a hotline to heaven, you know, to God's God's will. We're not solo believers as if we don't need anyone else or any other thing. So there's no hotline to the voice of God. The voice of God is a still small voice. It's the signs are subtle. We have to pay attention over periods of time. And then together we can find deep understanding. That's it. I I think you're, you're really on in that, and, and certainly that comes out in this book. Maybe I need to go back just a step and really say, how did this book get written? It came out in 2013, clearly almost uh, almost 20 years after Henry had died, or 15 years after Henry had died. Um, how did it? How did you and Rebecca find the contents of this book? Where did, where did you draw from? Well, of course, we had previously, you know, uh, developed two posthumous books with Henry Nowen, one on spiritual direction and one on spiritual formation. And both of those books were, were gleaned from his lectures at Yale when I was his student. And I had, you know, access to his lecture notes and I had my notes in class. And we had archives, as you know, that mm-hmm. were accessible to us. And we put together curriculum Uh, for his courses on spiritual direction and spiritual formation, two courses that I took from him. And then we were able to put a course together uh, and weave it together as the book he never wrote in his lifetime, but it's his material because he taught the material. So those two books in the three-volume set uh, 
were taken directly out of his uh, uh, coursework. Not so discernment. This third book in the trilogy, uh, he never wrote a book on discernment, and he never taught a class on discernment. So where do we go to find how Henry Nouwen discerned? Uh, John McGabgab, who was our was our friend and Henry's teaching assistant uh, at Yale, gave us the first clue. He told us that Henry discerned in his prayer life and in his journaling. Henry had a discipline of daily journaling. And in his journal, he would pray and discern, um, try to read the signs of daily life through what he was reading, what he was uh, praying, what nature was teaching him, the people who came to see him, the people that were in his path, current events. He's always journaling about these things in daily life. And if you keep a daily journal, as Henry did, uh, he had an eye toward publishing some of his journals. And yet the the published journals that we have only reflect about one-third of what he was journaling from day to day. So what John McGabgab told us is the book he edited for Henry, Genesee Diary, was three volumes in its original form when it was called On Retreat, Genesee Diary. So John took the three volumes of Genesee Diary and turned it into one-third the size and published it, you know, they published it as Genesee Diary. Well, there's two-thirds of that journal that ha- that weren't published. And so what we found was that there's a lot of unpublished journal entries, daily reflections on life, where Henry is actually discerning what to do, who to see, where to go, what's next, what's my vocation, am I loved? Uh, and do I sense God's presence? So Henry discerned in his journals. His journals were not published in their entirety. Some of his journals, like the Ukraine diary, were not were not ever published. And those that were published were only a, per, a portion of them. So we took the journal entries, his discernment process in those pages, added to that, weaved together uh, some lecture notes, some sermons, some some um, uh, unpublished uh, manuscript reflections, and wove together into a coherent whole an entire book uh, on discernment, not as a systematic way of discerning, but as vintage Henry. How do we read the signs of daily life? How do we look at nature as God's first language and read and discern what nature is teaching we discern what people in our path have to say to us about our own life. Uh, I find it such a sensitive and insightful book. I really, I really enjoyed it. It's very intimate, and and that helps explain the intimacy because it is Henry's journal, and you realize what he's struggling with, what he's trying to understand, what he's trying. He's a, he's almost always asking God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to be? I mean, that really is the deep question of all our lives. Am I in the center of your will? Am I where you want me? But I also found it very insightful in terms of his struggles with depression, the insights into that. And I find one thing, which is kind of a core thing, Henry Henry's understanding of self-rejection as our very biggest temptation. It, it's interesting there's an intimacy to this book that makes it so valuable. I think, you know, as we go and say, how do I discern what direction you're calling me in, God? This book kind of uncovers those 
questions we might be asking, maybe even getting in the way of getting to the heart of what God wants to say to us. But I, I find it so rich. It must have been a treat for you folks to, to go at it. You know, it's a three-year labor of love. Uh, as all these books have been, it takes about two or three years to to cull through the material and then not just compile it because otherwise it's just an anthology, but to weave it uh, together as as a book that is with, you know, that, that's Henry now and with the developmental editors. Yeah. And it, it it's fun uh, and it's labor intensive, but, you know, to get vintage Henry out of it and to get a, a book that he didn't write in his lifetime, but he he taught and lived yeah. uh, is a tremendous reward you know to make that available to to uh, his audience today you and rebecca have done a beautiful job with this book it's really i i just really want to encourage people to pick up this book and pick up the series i think from what i'm learning it's probably as a series one of the things that's being most used in seminaries and schools of theology they're they're really enjoying all three of the books but this discernment book is a treasure one of the things which i felt uh the book really addresses is how much Henry was influenced by the writings, teachings, and life of Thomas Merton. It, it really helps me understand how Merton influenced Henry. Indeed, uh, the influence of Merton on Henry was 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 tremendous, was huge. The influence of Henry on Merton, of course, was minimal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when, when when Henry, when the young Henry Nowen in 1967. Uh, before getting to Notre Dame, before his first teaching job, he went to visit uh, Tom, the great Thomas Merton, who he had looked up to, who he had learned from, who he had read. And he shows up at the monastery, and um, they have a conversation, and it was a huge influence on Henry. For Merton, he just writes in his journal uh, on that daily entry, met a father now in AU. Met a father now, <laughs> so, 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 Merton, so Merton didn't quite it didn't quite register with him. But for Henry, he left that conversation and wrote an entire book on Thomas Merton in Dutch. Um, that's now in English called Encounters with Henry. Now, uh, sorry, it's now called Encounters with Thomas Merton. Originally, Pray to Live Encounters with Thomas Merton. Yeah. And so, what what Henry learned from the great. Thomas Merton, his idol, his mentor, was discernment. He learned from Merton that nature speaks God's name, God's love, God's direction and presence. He learned from Merton that there are basically four signs of God's presence and love that we can read in daily life. First being um, nature, Second being the books we're reading, the poetry we're reading, the scripture, whatever we're reading, or maybe even viewing, if we're visual mm -hmm. and art and images, whatever we are putting into our minds and hearts through the written word or visuals, uh, God's speaking through that. God is speaking like a medium, like a, the, the media that channels the very presence and love and even guidance. Uh, and connections that we're making, illuminations of mm -hmm. God. So nature, the books we're reading, and then the people that God puts in our path, Thomas Merton said, pay attention to the people that God brings to you, to you and the people who are right there in front of you. Maybe they're family members, maybe they're friends, maybe they're complete strangers, maybe even angels unawares. 
and that if you pay attention to those people, they will teach, they will teach and reflect and reveal the things of God. And then I, we've already talked about the current events and critical mm-hmm. events in our life, mm-hmm. what you go through uh, in critical events, what you go through in even crises, even traumas, um, can be reflected upon in retrospect. And then God's presence, love, direction, truth can be revealed to us. We can discern it. And he, Henry didn't learn that on his own as much as he got the first clues from Merton, wrote a book about it, and then he really did live that. He really did learn how to read the signs of daily life. Uh, It's a beautiful thing, that relationship. It's interesting. Uh, I did a documentary called Hidden Heroes, and it was based on on people within the Netherlands who had, during the Second World War, uh, chosen to hide Jewish children and and, uh, keep them from the Nazis. And I loved what I learned out of that was, you know, the responsibility for the people that God brings on your way. That was very much a, a concept within that, that in a way... You might not be responsible for everybody, but if God brings somebody on your way, you're, there's a responsibility in that. That's a, an aspect of that uh, discernment. One of the things uh, that comes out of this is that I found in the, the overall book, I understood Henry's uh, process of discerning his call to go to L'Arche. I mean, it tells the story of him going to Latin America. And I mean, he was really looking, God, are you calling me here? Are you calling me there? But then ultimately going, that isn't it. And then making this unique choice and feeling this call to go to L'Arche Daybreak and be the pastor of a community of people with developmental disabilities. Uh, and intellectual disabilities, and I thought that was quite fascinating. The other thing um, that comes through in this, and and I always quite love it, is Henry's incredible. Uh, you, it, it's always kind of a central theme to him, and this is this the two voices that are competing for his attention: the voice to succeed versus the voice that says stay close to Jesus. And it's interesting to see that within this whole book where we're talking about. Uh, discernment. And that is still, I think, a center point in Henry. Yeah, indeed. And uh, in, in his, you know, when he was at Yale, when I was his student, one of many who followed him around between classes and all the way to mass, and daily mass. And, you know, he was learning during that final year at Yale, whether to stay or whether to go. you're right, he's always trying to discern what's next, what's the next step I need to take and to be faithful, to follow the light, to follow God's will. And, you know, he says about his experience at Yale that last year, 1981, before going to South America, he said, I was not just overwhelmed with all my teaching, all the writing, the travel, um, but I was also starting to feel indispensable, you know, and that that led to perhaps to some spiritual pride because he had been he was accomplished he was successful he had fulfilled his father's you know expectation to make something of yourself son that inner voice that was often his father's voice to succeed and he succeeded at Yale I mean he went back to visit his father when he was at Yale and his father said you know Henry you you really you really have amounted to something you know. And he felt really good about that, but also he felt spiritually in danger, maybe even a little puffed up, you know, because he was getting invitations to the White House. He was getting 
a lot of speaking engagements. He had his full staff. He had secretaries and student assistants and lots of appointments. And yet he was afraid if he had one day of unstructured um, life, he would be a, he would be lonely. And he hated being alone and alienated. He, he felt that self-rejection if he wasn't with, you know, propped up with people around him and important things to do. And so avoiding the loneliness and, and embracing the busyness, he, he discerned that this was not good for him. And so he announced his departure my last semester at, at Yale. He said, I'm, I'm leaving Yale for a, a, pil- a pilgrimage. And he gave up tenure, academic tenure. It was an amazing thing to watch that happen. Most, you know, no other professor I knew would do that. And yet he let go on to a downward mobility and, and, and embraced the poor in South America. But even there, you know the story because it's in Gracias, his journal, and we published in discernment some of the excerpts or non-published portions of Gracias' journal. He was discerning all during those six months and then a full year in South America, am I called now to live and pray among the poor? So he paid attention to Gustavo Gutierrez and to the mothers and to the peasants and to the folks who lived in the barrios that he lived in. Am I called, he would ask himself and them, to pray and live here among the poor? He asked the Jesuits, should I join you as an order and or join you as a, as a member and be involved in the missionary work you're doing. Well, they helped him understand that, Henry, uh, you're on a retreat here, you're on a pilgrimage, but this may not be your vocation. Your vocation may very well be to go back to North America and to announce what you have seen and heard here and what you've learned here and raise consciousness in North America about the plight of the poor in the South. And so he read that, and he, that's how he got to Harvard. He went back and had a fine, large pulpit and a tour. It called attention to what was happening in Nicaragua and Guatemala and the South and raised a lot of consciousness in, that, uh, in those years. There, there's one, there's one uh, aspect of discernment that you hinted at at the very beginning about discernment of spirits. And I think this is helpful to us as individuals because we all struggle. And Henry struggled, you know, with with um, loneliness and rejection, et cetera. So here, here's the here's the thing about discernment. Given the fact that we struggle in our daily life with uh, self-image, with uh, affirmation, with rejection, with temptations, Henry says there is a way to discern and distinguish the spirits and identify which of the many spirits are trying to lead us astray and which voice is the Holy Spirit calling us to new life. So he tells the story in Gracias, and we repeat it in the, in the book, in discernment, about being in Cochabamba, right? And he's there in Cochabamba, Bolivia, to study Spanish and learn Spanish better with the Jesuits in their Institute of English and Spanish. And he finds himself living with a family in Cochabamba in the city, and he's alone a particular day, and he's riding a little bike down to the stores, and he sees a bookstore, and he is wandering aimlessly, he says, around 
town. This is not in his published work. This is from his journal, now published. And he's walking aimlessly around, and he goes inside this, this the bookstore, and he sees all this terrible media, you know, foreign media, international media, local media, pictures, sex, exploitation, sensationalism. And he's very tempted, and he's, and he's in anguish about all that he's seeing. And he's struggling with loneliness and alienation, temptation. And he decides to pay attention <laughs> to what's happening here and discern that the spirits that he is being allured, lured by are not holy, are not life-giving, but they would bring death, spiritual death. And so he, he finds himself in his wandering around going to the Carmelite um, monastery, Carmelite house, I should say, and to a chapel there, and there going to the chapel to pray. And in that chapel, he has this overwhelming sense that this chapel is blessed because of all the prayers that have been prayed by the sisters over all the years. And he discerned in that chapel, in his prayer, truly the presence of the Lord is in this place. And he had this overwhelming sense of um, that he was now in the right place at the right time, being present to the presence of God. And that's, that's just a little parable of our daily life. We are every day, um, we have a choice. We can, we can be and listen to the signals and signs that would lead us down a dark path, or we can pay attention and, and, and be available to the presence of God in whatever form, in nature, in a, in a, in a poem, in a scripture, in a, in a vision, in a, in a visual, in an icon even, in a chapel. And so Henry shows us, shows us the way of how to deal with our personal struggles. I find that very inspiring. I, I, I think one of the things that I find inspiring, actually, in, in that story, in that aspect of this, was he was all in. I mean, he, he ugh, giving up tenure. He was all in. He was willing. He didn't go with a maybe this is the right thing. But also being able to hear this isn't it. You know, being able to go good but not best. And I think discernment is something uh, that when we want to know what God wants for our life, he wants it too. He loves us so much. He wants it too. And I, I feel God met him in ways that he helps us understand how we can hear that voice within us. It's not just for Henry now, and it's for everyone. Um, I love your book. I really love what, what it's, it, it helps people with the very deep, very intimate questions of where am I right now? What does God want of me? Where am I going? Those are important, central, deep questions in our life. And you know, you know Karen, it, 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 we don't always hit the mark uh, in our discernment. My intention every day is to, you know, try to see the sunrise and the sunset and then discern the presence and then pay attention during my day to the people and, and being sensitive and what are people going through and what am I, what, where do I need to be and how do I keep my divine appointments given to me each and every day. But some days, like just two days ago, <laughs> um, I was off. You know, I missed the sunrise. I missed the sunset. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't journal, and I wasn't sensitive during the day. And and in 
at the end of the day, when you look back on the day and do, you know, a daily exam and, and say, where did I meet the mark? Where did I miss the mark? There were, in my revelation, I saw many points along the way in my day that I could have uh, named the reality, been present to a person, to a family member, to a friend, made a call. I should have made, checked in with someone. I didn't check in. And I missed, I missed every single opportunity that in retrospect I recognized as a divine moment, appointment, potential, but I missed it. I just totally wasn't paying attention to it. And so discernment is something that you practice every day. You don't like uh, reach a point where now I'm a discerning person as if you no longer have to work at it. Mm -hmm. Every day is a new day to try to be present first to God's and then to each other, even to ourselves. And not every day are we going to meet the mark. Uh, And Henry knew that too. I want to hear how people can get involved in some of the courses you and Rebecca are teaching. Tell us a little bit about that, because I bet there are people, it's a new year, they'd love to dig into something. Tell me a little bit about what is available. You have some fabulous courses on Henry Nowen. Let me hear what, what you have to offer. I'm doing. I'm teaching Henry Nowen spirituality now in three different institutions. Uh, the Nazarene Theological Seminary has a doctoral program in spiritual formation. People can apply to that, and Rebecca and I co-direct, co-convene um, the cohorts in a doctoral program in spiritual formation. That Henry Nowen course, reading Henry Nowen with his sources, is one of the courses. In that program, so that's that's available as a doctoral program. So is the Episcopal School for Ministry uh, here in San Diego has people discerning a call to the priesthood or to the diaconal to what what their role in the church and in the community is, and there are people who can, if you're local anyway in California, uh, actually it's online now. So the Episcopal School for Ministry is offering reading Henry Nowen with his sources that I'm the professor for. But anyone uh, can take the North Wind Seminary courses in Henry Nowen. We have three of them at North Wind um, Seminary, which is 100% online. And the three courses are the three books, Henry Nowen on Spiritual Direction, Henry Nowen on Spiritual Formation, and Henry Nowen on Discernment. Three different courses with video lectures, uh, you, you, it's open enrollment. You go at your own pace, your own time, your own place, your own device, right? And it's you know, the pedagogy of these courses is what we call guided education, where a faculty mentor like myself guides the individual student in mastering four topics per course, so that you become a, a competent in four topic areas of that subject matter. It's the Oxford style tutorial with guided learning geared toward the individual. Yes, we have, sometimes we have group discussions, but mostly it's, it's a, it's a self-paced, um, self-motivated way of, of learning. And you can enroll in those courses through the Northwind Institute for certificate credit for continuing education, or you can apply for a degree program at Northwind, either a master's or a doctoral degree in spiritual formation, and then take the courses for academic credit. 
And that's a new offering just this year or just past 2019 and 2020, this past academic year. It's the first time we've been able to offer the courses for academic credit as well as the certificate program at Northwind. And you've been sending people our way already. There have been a number of people from the Henry Nowen Society Network that have enrolled either in the certificate program or in a degree program um, in Henry Nowen's unique approach to formation. I'm delighted. And, and, and I have to say to our audience, Michael Christensen and Rebecca Laird are trusted teachers. They're very good. And and they also had the the privilege of living and knowing uh, Henry now, and so they bring that to to any kind of course that they're teaching, along with a thorough academic knowledge of of Henry's work. and And these are are excellent courses to get involved in. Of course, go to our website, and we'll have all the details and the links so that you can sign up and get involved. And uh, I just uh, I would just encourage you to take a look at this. And certainly, I go back and say I want you to take a look at the book Discernment. I've loved it. I've really enjoyed it. And I've, I've found things in it that I haven't found anywhere else about Henry now. And so I, it's been very precious for me over the last week to prepare for this and to read it in preparation. Michael, I so appreciate you. I so appreciate the depth of your knowledge and your wisdom. Uh, you're obviously a good professor, but also somebody who's been a very good friend over the years to the Henry Nowen Society, and I'm grateful for that as well. Great to be with you again, Karen. This is always a joy. Thank you, Michael. And I want to thank all of you for taking time to listen today. I hope you come away from this interview with Michael Christensen as inspired as I was. Michael and Rebecca have captured some wonderful things they found in Henry's journals on the subject of discernment. If you'd like to get this book on discernment, go to our website and you'll find links to the book's and courses that we've discussed today in the podcast. What a great opportunity to study more of Henry Nowen in one of the courses being offered through Northwind Institute. If you did enjoy the podcast, we'd be so grateful if you'd take time to give us a stellar review or a thumbs up, or even share this with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>